Welcome to Platform Church Rested Life Conversations. Platform is a young, dynamic, multidimensional church. We offer inspirational, practical, and relevant teaching that is applicable for your daily living. At Platform, our teaching is relevant to people of all ages, race, color, nationality, and of different socioeconomic backgrounds. At Platform Church, we believe that the rested life is a reality for us. For more information, visit platformchurch.co.za. Enjoy the rested life conversations. Now, here is your host, Darlington Steve. On what this blood has done in your life. If you understand this very particular reality, trust me. No matter how bad the circumstances is, you'll be able to pull it up. You'll pull it up. You'll pull it up. John chapter 19. Let's look at it. I'm going to be reading from the NIV so that I'll be a bit fast. Look at what the Bible says here. The Bible says, it said, then Pilate took Jesus. Now, this is where Jesus was about to pay the price on Friday, like Bible scholars call it. And that's why we're having this Friday morning service. This is what it said. Then Pilate took Jesus. And the first thing we see about Jesus, the fact that for the first time, he was flogged. <laughs> it says, the soldier twisted together a crown of thorns. And put it, I think I'm reading from the Amplified. I think because the way this is going, it doesn't sound like, it doesn't sound like NIV. I'm reading from the Amplified Classic Personalized Edition, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think that I'm trying to remember which version I'm reading currently, but I know it's not King James. It says, the soldier twisted together a crown of tongues and put it in his head. Hmm. It says, and they clothed him with a purple robe. <laughs> I'm going to talk about a purple robe just now. It says, and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail the king of the Jews. It says, and they slapped him in the face. Do you see that for the first time we saw about Jesus, every of the madness that the earth was experiencing, your Christ, go through it. And in going all of those very particular pain, look at what is interesting about this very particular story that John was talking because I want you to understand John was not talking about Jesus from the Jesus humanistic point of view if you want to understand the revelatory part of who Jesus is I'll beg you focus on John when you're reading the canons of John Matthew talk about the personality of Jesus Luke talk about the event of Jesus Mark, who is a doctor, talk about his biological line of Jesus. But John himself decided to say no. That there is a revelation behind this Jesus that I need you to understand. So John does not have a business of telling you that he was born from Mary. His grandfather was blah, blah, blah. The next minute we see John, he says, in the beginning was the word. The word was we got. That's how this guy just started. He didn't start and say, no, if you check it, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all tell you about histories. This guy starts from his divinity. And so when you read John, has that understanding that John's canons is totally different from the rest three guys. For example, one of the persons that I know that even tried to even explain better, his name is called Luke. Because Luke is not a, what's it called, it's not an eyewitness account. Luke was just giving a testament of what he knows or what he has read from John, Mark, and Matthew. So when you read the book of Luke, Luke was just, for example, Luke is like me. I'm just telling the story of Jesus. That is why if you notice, the book of Luke is actually written to a particular man called Theophilus. So Luke was writing the things of this and sending it to a man called Theophilus. So it was a message, it was a letter. 
But the person called John, John was very interested in the supernatural being of this man. How come this kind of supernatural being can bring himself solo to experience the earthly pain? That is John's point. And the Bible says here, it says in verse 2, it said the soldier twisted the crown. How interesting. By the time I was reading this very particular part, the Holy Spirit was saying to me, that tell my people that regardless of the pain that you are going through, a crown has still been forced into your head. <laughs> it says the soldier, they were beating the guy, but they had no clue that the event they were doing, they were actually creating a path for him that guarantees his stability of what he needs to do on planet Earth. They were beating him. In them being beating Jesus, they had no clue that they were literally What's it called? Flogging him with cancer, flogging him with diabetes, flogging him with leukemia, flogging him with high blood pressure, flogging him with all of the disease that you can think of. All of it was because why? They were thinking that they were doing Jesus a harm, but had no clue that they were promoting Jesus. It's the same way where Joseph, you think that Joseph, because he has left his father and he's on his way to Egypt, Somebody may pity Joseph and decide to abort that process, but had no clue that Joseph had to be in the pit for him to understand that if you can manage the pit experience, you will know how to manage the palace experience. And so because of that, Joseph who has to go through all of that, the brothers thought that they were doing him discomfort and they were shortcutting his agenda on planet Earth, but they had no clue that they were crowning him for the place of a palace. The same thing also applies to Jesus. Jesus was going through all of that. The same thing also applies to you. You are going through all of the pain, but you have no clue that dependent on how you see the pain, dependent on how you begin to materialize and conceptualize those pain will determine the outcome of what you experience. Jesus was flogged. A crown was forced upon his head. No wonder we call him the king of all kings. The people were busy doing all of that, but they had no clue that they were authenticating him. Even in the place of pain. For somebody, I want you to declare this. In my pain, I am still authenticated. In my pain, I am still authenticated. Because in the place of your pain, hear me. There is still a voice that is authenticating you and saying, Darlington, Kanyusa, Sibogile, Mamumpo, and all of you that is currently here, that regardless of that pain, I am authenticating you that there is a better coming out of you. Then look at what it says. It says, and they clothed him with the purple. You know, you know, Bible is quite interesting is the fact that why will God be interested in the color that Jesus was dressed in? Why? Why? Have you ever asked yourself, why is it that they were beating the guy? Why, why did you bother about the color that he was literally being put on? And the Holy Spirit was saying to me, that on this very particular service called It Is Finished, as Jesus was going through all of that, they put a purple rope. And this is that very particular. I'm going to give you five mysteries of what that purple rope represented that was in Jesus and that is also at work in your life. They clothed him with a purple rope. You wonder why purple? Why not red? I'm a guy that like blue color. I, I, I promise I felt bad. I'm like, but Jesus, come down. You'd have worn blue now. What's the issue? <laughs> Why purple? But I remember that Jesus was not even the one <laughs> that put the robe. They clothed him with that. When they clothed him, what does the purple represent as the Holy Spirit is revealing to us today? Number one, the purple represents strength. Purple represents strength. 
when you check the meaning of the color from the spiritual canons, literally from the Hebrew rendition, the purple represents number one, strength. Number two, it represents transformation. Number three, it represents power. Number four, it represents royalty. And number five, it represents luxury. So when Jesus was still going through all of this pain, all of this was also still being built on his inside. I know that they say that they are firing you for your company and all your finance is not going through. But hear me, right in that very particular pain, God is factoring in strength for you. He is factoring in transformation. He had factored in royalty. He has factored in luxury. And yet you are still in the mess. <laughs> is it not in your Bible talking about number one? We talk about strength there. John chapter 16 verse 13. John 16, 33, sorry. John 16, 33. We're still going to read. It says, I have told you these things that you should, that in me, that you will have peace. It says, in this world, you will have trouble. It says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The place of strength. Number two, the purple cloth that he was wearing from the Hebrew literal transliteration. It means that as they put that cloth on him, Remember that this was a man that had his own clothes. It was removed and they put a purple robe on him. The purple robe, number two, means transformation. Transformation. What does that signify as we begin to think about the death of Jesus today? His death and his burial. On Sunday, we're going to talk about his resurrection. That's why we don't have service tomorrow, Saturday. So what does it mean talking about transformation? Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says here, if any man is in Christ, he says what? He is a new creation. All things have passed away. He says, but behold, all things have become new. Number three, it talks about power. The purple there means power. Matthew chapter 28 verse 18. It says, then Jesus came and said to them all, all power. It says, is given. When they were busy putting that robe, they had no clue that they were relinquishing power on planet Earth. And I'm going to show you as we begin to go to the last point, I mean, to the last um, verse of this very particular scripture, how, on the standpoint of power, four powerful things happened. Four powerful things happened. Then, number four, it talks about royalty. You can write down Revelation chapter 5, verse 10. For those of you who missed, the prayer meeting we just finished. The podcast is available on your WhatsApp group. Please take time. Talks about royalty. What is the royalty? I think on day three, we prayed about influence and increase. I think it's influence and stuff. I remember the word influence. But look at what it says here. In Revelation 5 verse 10. It says, and God has made unto us king and priest. It says, and we shall do what? Reign. There is no way you are a royal that you can reign. It's not possible. And number five, it talks about luxury. What is the luxury? Ability for you to have more than enough. Ability. When they say somebody is living a luxurious life, you know that the person is chopping life with 50 fingers. And yet all of this reality was happening in Jesus while he was going through that pain. Now hear me, prophetic word for somebody today. I know that yes, you are going through a pain. But please understand that as much as you are going through that very particular pain this season, there is a purple robe that has been placed on you. That is a purple robe that is on you. If your Jesus will go through it and yet all of this was happening while in the pain, 
I pray that your eyes open to see this reality in the name of Jesus. Now, let's quickly go to verse 4. Remember, we're reading John 19, verse 4. It says here, it says, once, once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews that gathered there. He said, look, I am bringing him out to let you know that I find no basis for this charge that you are doing to him. He says, when Jesus came out, wearing what? The crown of tongues and the purple robe. Now you understand again when you see the word purple robe. <laughs> he said, Pilate said to him, here is the man. He said, as soon as the chief priest and the officials saw him, he said, they shouted, crucify him, crucify him. He said, but Pilate answers, you take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis of charge against this man. My dear, when you are going through problems, be careful. Because people who you've actually fed, part of the people who are shouting, crucify him. I bet you they were among the 5,000 Jesus gave free food. And yet they stand and say, crucify him. So don't be angry when you find yourself in problems and yet the people who you helped, you are calling them to come help you and yet they are refusing to help you. Just understand that their actions is actually saying, crucify him. <laughs> in verse 7, look at what it says. The Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law and according to the law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God, which is, which is right. When Pilate heard this, he said he was even more afraid. And he went back inside and went back inside his palace. He said, where do you come from? He asked Jesus. But look at what the Bible says. He said, Jesus gave him no answer. What does that mean? As you are going through your troubles, your times of pain and concern, be careful what you say. Jesus would have said something here that would literally end that very particular process. And man will still not be redeemed today. Be careful. Many of us have used our word to abort processes. Because we do not know that sometimes when you are going through challenges and difficulties, that's the best time to be quiet. It's not a time for you to be calling for help and calling on all of the friends to the point that you are giving your profile to an enemy to take an advantage from you. The Bible says Jesus gave what? No answer. But I'm going to give you two mysteries today. Only two answers he gave. Verse 9, look at what it says. He said, then Pilate refused. I mean, do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate asked Jesus. He said, do you realize that I have power to either free you or to crucify you? Look at the first time Jesus would talk. He says, you would have, Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it was not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who had handed me over to you is guilty of sin. Number one thing here we want to talk, the first statement Jesus said, and I want to explain that part quickly so that I don't forget. If you notice, he says, Jesus' answer, the first time Jesus' answer was when he had to do with power. He says, I had power. Be careful the statement that you receive if the thing is going to compromise your posture and your power in God. The first time Jesus will respond to Pilate ever since he was quiet. He says them, do you know that I have the power to free you? The same way that man and that people will come and tell you, do you know that if you just sleep with me or do this one, I have the power to free you? And Jesus looked at it and says, on the standpoint of that place, now you are wrong. I may be going through the mess and going through the trouble, but you have no right for you to determine if you have power. Power is a statement that you must not give to a people anyhow. As a matter of fact, you have to guide power with everything that you have. We prayed about power, talking about this very particular April. We are seeing it here. Jesus responded when power was mentioned. That see, listen, I may be going through the mess and all of a sudden, do not think 
that I still do not have the power. Indirectly, it was on the strength of the power of Jesus. That was why he went through all of what he went through. And he says to, to, to Pilate, he says, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. You will have no finance trouble. You will have no power over me if I did not give you the power. Poverty, you have no power over me if I did not give you the power. For as long as I have not given you the power, oh you dear poverty, oh you dear lack and want, unfruitfulness and all of the nonsense, for as long as I have not given you the power, you still do not have power. On the strength of that knowledge, watch God begin to re-edit that very particular thing and you find yourself coming out victorious on the other side of the thing. The Bible says, and Jesus answered. <laughs> he said, you see power, you missed it. I may be down and broke, begging and looking as if life is giving me beat down, but do not make a mistake to think that you give me power. Do not. That one, you will have to retrieve that statement. And look at what Jesus said, moving forward from there. He says from verse 12, he said from then, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. Why? Power was not given to Pilate. <laughs> Jesus holds the power as they come down. I may be going through mess, but I still have the restraint here. The power is still with me. It says, but the Jewish leader kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are not a friend of Caesar. Is anyone who claims to be the king opposed, no, he claims to be the king opposes Caesar. He says, when Pilate heard this, he said he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge seat and place, and I mean, at a place known as the stone pavement, which in Aramic, it's known as Gabata. In verse 14, it says, it was the day of the preparation of the Passover, like we're currently doing. It says, it was the noon. He said, here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. He said, but, they shouted, take him away, take him away and crucify him. He said, shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. He says, we have no king but Caesar. Hmm. He said, the chief priest answered, finally, Pilate handed him over to them to crucify. He said, so the soldiers took charge of Jesus. He says, carrying his cross, he said, he went down to the place of Skor, which in Aramaic is known as Golgotha. He says, they he said, there they crucify him and were the two soldiers, I mean, two others. He said, one on each side of Jesus in the middle. Pilate had, in, look at what he said. I want, to, I want us to see something very strange here. He said, Pilate had a notice prepared and fasting on the cross. A king, remember that Pilate was also a king at that moment. It says, it is read, Jesus of Nazareth, what? King of Jewish. Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus was still going through that very particular pain. But yet, a king recognized that at the level of this power and this restraint this guy has, there is a king dimension in you. <laughs> My dear, hear me as we begin to unveil these eight mysteries or the seven things that the blood of Jesus literally accomplished for you on the cross of Calvary. Always have this understanding. In the place of your mess, there is still a power dimension and a king that is still calling out. Look at what it says in verse 20. It says, many of the Jews read the sign. It says, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. It said the sign was written in Aramic, Latin, and Greek. It says, now look at what. It said, the chief, pilot, the chief priest, which is known in 21, of the Jews protested to Pilate. It says, do not write the king of the Jews. He says, but this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. Pilate answered. He says, what I have written. He says, I have written. <laughs> 
I know that yes, it looks as if you are going through poverty. But hear me, if a man called Pilate can write the king of the Jews, your Jesus who died for you on the cross of Calvary, he called you rest. He called you prosperous. He called you influential. He called you blessed. He called you. And yet a man that is on earth says, what I have written. He says, I have written. And yet your God called you. Your God has written you in the canons of life that you must be prosperous. He has written you that you are a king and a priest and you shall reign on earth. If a man can write it and yet cannot be undone, imagine what Christ has finished for you. A man says what I have written, I have written. And yet we coming from a standpoint of a divinity called God. He has written you blessed. Fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue, have dominion. And yet we can't take that very particular strength of his word. But a man says, what I have written, I have written. When Pilate endorses that very particular statement is a shadow and type of a promise that all that Jesus accomplished for you, it is still standing regardless. <laughs> Let's look at it again. 21. It says, and the chief priests, they protested. It says, do not write the king of the Jews. And yet, he was a man that was about to be killed. Do you notice that, dependent on how you see your circumstances, determine how you will come out. No wonder it makes sense when Jesus came out of the grave. He came out as the king, even when he was dead. Because why? Just because you see my life is in a misery, or probably you think that everything has fallen from the top to the down, does not mean that the potency of who I am in Christ has shifted. I am still a king going through this very particular mess. When a prince is born in the home of a king, they don't call that child a child. They call the child a prince. They call that lady that is born from a king a queen. I mean a princess. By the time the thing is ripe, you will find that that very particular child grows to also become a king. Hear me? No matter what you are going through, Jesus sent me to tell you today, you are still a king. <laughs> It may look as if all things are falling fast, but hear me, there is a dimensions of king that Jesus called me to remind you today that I finished that part for you. He now says in verse 23, he said, when the soldier crucified him, he said, they took his clothes, dividing it into four shears. He said, one of them, he says, with each undermining, with each undergarment remaining. I'm trying to jump so that I, I, I move. Okay, now let's look at 28. 28. He said, later, he said, knowing that everything had now been finished according to what they think of. Look at what the Bible says. He says, so the scripture will be fulfilled. He says, so Jesus, for the second time, he spoke. What did he say? He says, I am what? Thirsty. <laughs> he says, and a jar of wine was there so that they soaked a sponge into it and put a sponge on the store of his hills of plant. He said, and they lifted it to Jesus. He says, and when he received it, what did Jesus say again? It is finished. Why would Jesus talk at this very particular time again? Look at it. It says in 28, later, knowing that everything had been finished, it says, so the scripture would what? Be fulfilled. Because we must understand what has been fulfilled. And this is where many of us as Christians are still begging and living a life of mediocrity and the devil beating us. Because Jesus himself knows that a lot of things have been finished. In fact, if not everything has been finished. And the Bible says, Jesus says, I am thirsty. What does that statement mean? 
it means that Jesus, on the standpoint of that question he asked, is like, I know that all of, all of these things that I've done is finished, but there is a dimension that I want to deal with. What is the dimension here? It's dealing with all forms of bitterness that people are going through. There are a lot of bitterness. The test, he says, I am tasty. I am tasty for business growth. I am tasty for spiritual upliftment. I am tasty for life. I am tasty for career. All of this was happening, and yet, the, all, the only thing they could do, they did not give Jesus the sweet wine. They didn't give him even the wine that he turned. At least it was his own wine he turned. And yet, they, did, no, they gave him a bitter stuff. And the Bible says, when that bitter thing entered his mouth, he should have complained and said, no, this is not what I want. But yet, he kept quiet, and he says, on the lenses of this bitter stuff, on the lens of my taste, I have quenched every taste that the people are going to experience in life. <laughs> on the test of the fact that you want sweetness in your marriage, but yet they give him bitter stuff. He said, on that strength, I have quenched. So which means on the lenses of what he finished. He did not just finish the seven things we are going to mention. He even finished the taste of what you want. He finished it. He finished the test. He finished the test. He finished the test. When you read your scripture, because I'm going to pause on that very particular place. When you read your scripture, the Bible says that the moment that they were trying to kill Jesus, I mean, they were trying to pierce nails in his hand and all of those things. Look at what happened. The Bible says as they were piercing all of those things in the hand, he said they were trying to give Jesus a medicine to help him ease the pain. And the Bible says, and Jesus refused to take it. Because why? I was asking, I said, man, this guy, you are good, though. Me, I would have taken the painkiller. Because this very particular thing, I'm not going to sit here and just accept this. The Bible says, and Jesus refused to take the pain. Because why? He does not want any of his children to experience pain. And so because of that, he took all of the pain. Pain in poverty. Pain in marriage. Pain in your finance. Pain in your career. You have been working in the company for the past 10 years. And it looks as if nothing. Hear me? Your Jesus also took that very particular pain. He says, and Jesus took the pain. He refused to be giving those very particular things to ease his pain. Jesus took the pain. Jesus took the pain. Jesus took the pain without taking a medication for it. Ah. I pray for somebody today under the sound of my voice. As your father, God sent me to talk to you today. Every pain that you are currently going through right now, I put a stop on those pains. In the name of Jesus, I declare that the pains come to an end now. In the name of Jesus. The Bible says, and Jesus refused. And he says, on that strength, since I've taken this very particular thirst, no wonder the Bible says, it says, let him that thirst come to me. He says, for they shall be filled. Which means I say, dimensions of thirst that we go through. That only the Father, Jesus, can help us quench. With that being said, this very particular moment, I want us to look at this very particular point. Seven places Jesus bleed. And what does, this, what does this signify in our lives? Seven of it. Seven places Jesus bleed. And what does it signify? Because if you understand this very particular seven places he bleed and what it signifies upon your life, hear me. You will walk out of this very particular service 
going, understanding like Jesus who refused to allow Pilate to think as if he has the power. There are some of you after today's service on the strength of this very particular remembrance service because that's what we call it. I call it remembrance service because we're remembering what has been finished on the cross of Calvary. You will go back and look at all of those circumstances and place a demand on the truth that you have received today and the things will turn around. It will turn around. It will. The Bible says, as we look at that very particular, this point that I'm going to bring, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 17 and 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 17 and 18. Look at what it says here. It says, for our light affliction, it says, it is for what? A moment. If Jesus went through those very particular pain, died on Friday, because I'm bringing the context now home, died on Friday, but all of that, the Bible call it, but for a moment. And on Sunday, he rose triumphantly. I declare for somebody today, between now and on Sunday, you will see supernatural shift in your life in the name of Jesus. You will see supernatural shift in your life in the name of Jesus. Hmm. He says, our light affliction is but for a moment. Look at what it says here. He says, it is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. It says, why we do not look at the things which are seen? He said, but the things which are not seen. He said, for the things which are seen are only temporary. Somebody says, my pain is temporary. The, the situation is temporary. The unemployment is temporary. The lack of business is temporary. Whatever that is, it is only temporary. He said, but I look at the things which are not seen. He said, and those things which are not seen from the physical eye, say the Bible call it eternal. Point number one, seven places Jesus bleed and it's significant. Number one, the Bible says he bleed at the garden of Gethsemane. The first time we saw Jesus bleeding was the fact that he was in garden of Gethsemane and the Bible says as he was spraying, the Bible says he sweat turned to blood. Do you know what kind of pressure that Jesus was in that moment to be praying that much to the point that he swear. See, if you've not, that's why for me, I tell you, I say, see, there's some certain things Jesus has done for me. See, I'm sorry. Your pastor is the pastor of rest. So I'm not going to give you things of stress. I say, if Jesus has done that kind of prayer where his blood, I mean, his sweat turned to blood, I do not need to do those kind of prayer. I'm sorry. He has paid the price for me. I refuse. Because on the strength of what he has finished, why must I pay school fees that my parent has already paid school fees for? <laughs> Many of us are actually running religion. We're not running the life of Christ. Why must you pay school fees? You're, you paid a school fees. Or your parent paid school fees for you. But yet you are going to work to pay school fees again. If Jesus sweats, turn to blood. My own does not have to turn to blood. He has paid that price of such pain. All I need to do is to enter into that reality. And all of what he did is now being accredited into my account. Look at what it says. The first sweat of blood we saw was the fact that Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane. What does that mean? Because we need to understand that sweat turned to blood. It means that Jesus won back, number one, our willpower. He won back our willpower. On this very particular day, he won back the willpower. What is the willpower we are talking about? Look at the book of Luke chapter 22 from verse 40 to 46. Luke 20, 22, sorry, 40 to 46. It says Jesus won back the willpower, which is this is the ability for us to submit to God's will 
and not our own circumstances. Because at that moment, Jesus was in the place. His blood, his blood was literally coming out. It has every right for him to say, no, God, deal with your people. I'm tired, I give up. If this is how God, to serve God is, then forget it. Indirectly, Jesus was enforcing to make us understand that as far as God's system is concerned, I have helped you to be able to carry that power. So enter into that reality and serve God with ease. Luke chapter 22 verse 40. Look at what the Bible says. It says, when he came to the place, he said, he said to them, he said, pray that you may not enter into temptation. He says, and he withdraw himself from them about a stone throw. He said, he went and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if it's your will, he said, take this cup from me. He said, nevertheless, not my will. He said, but what? Let your will be done. He said, then the angel appeared unto him from heaven. Look at what the angel did. The angel did what? Strengthen him. The angel did not come and say, come out of this very particular, enough is enough. We want to take you back to heaven. What nonsense is this? The angel, there are some of you, you are praying yourself out of problems, and yet all the angels is doing is to strengthen you to go through it. Because why? There is a will of God's dimension that guarantees that if you pass through that very particular stuff, there is an eternal heavy weight of glory that is awaiting for you at the other side of the road. He says, and the angel strengthened Jesus. And look at what he says. He says, and being in agony, Jesus prayed earnestly. He says, and his sweat become what? A drop of blood falling down to the ground. So Jesus' blood did not drop to the ground on the cross. It actually started first because Jesus was number one, dealing with the will in serving the master. In the way, if you find yourself struggling in serving God, the problem is the fact that you have not accepted this finished work of what Jesus has finished for you on the cross. Finished for you while he was praying. He was insisting, Lord, let thy will be done. This is painful, but I'm going to stand and pay this price for Darlington, for, for Kanisa, for John, for Joseph, for, for Mamun Po, for, for Sibongila. I'm going to pay the price. Jesus paid the price of the will on the cross. Fired his blood dropping while he was praying. He has every right to say it is enough. But he stood his ground. He says, and he prayed more earnestly. He says, and he rose from the prayer. And he came to his disciples. He said, and he found them sleeping. And he says, why do you sleep? He said, arise and play. Lest you enter into temptation. He says, but if you look at it from verse 42. He said, father, if it's your will, take this cup from me. He said, nevertheless, not my will. Let your will be done. Not my will. So when he was, when his sweat was turning to blood, Jesus was finishing our free will to serve the Father. Free will. He says in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 10. Matthew 6, verse 10. He says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. I was teaching the, 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 the fellowship group we were having yesterday. I was making them understand that when the Bible talk, your will be done on earth on this very particular scripture, it was not talking about the earth, earth, which is earth, earth, the ground, the, the stand. You are. It's talking about the earth, you. Because you were formed from the earth. And so because of that, he was making you to understand that you, this earth, you are a human earth. Because anywhere you go, you can make an earth look like how God wants it to look like. So the earth is not the world that we see. The earth is you. Because you determine the shape and how the earth is going to operate. He says, he says, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done where? On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. 
So you need to understand that on this very particular lens of this. When Jesus was spraying, he was spraying on this place where his sweat turned to blood on the standpoint of enforcing or finishing our will to serve the Father like he. Is it not in your Bible whereby the Bible says that greater things than these that I've done that you shall do also? He says, follow me. I mean, Paul the Apostle, sorry. Paul the Apostle was making, telling the church of the Corinth. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. If Christ served the Father willingly at that very particular place of pain, Jesus was not considering his bank account or the rosaries or the car or the ministry, but he was considering the will. Lord, it is your will. I do not know what this is turning around, but Lord, I stay by your will. Anything that this very particular stage of my life will be editing, but Lord, it is only your will. Number one, the sweat at the prayer of Gethsemane. Number two, what has his blood accomplished for us? Number two, I mean, where did Jesus bleed? Number two, the wound or the stripes on his back. I'm showing you where he bleed. If you notice in the book of Luke, I mean, John 19, we've just read, the Bible says, and they flogged him. They flogged him. Isaiah chapter 53 from verse 4 and 5. Let's look at the scripture quickly. Because I will tell you what, does, what that did for you. Isaiah 53 from verse 4 and 5. It says, based on that very particular shambucking that was given to Jesus, it says, surely he took our infirmity. He carried our sorrow. He said, yet we considered him stricken by God. He says, struck down and afflicted. He said he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquity. He said the punishment that brought our peace was upon him. And by what? And by the stripe of Jesus, as they were flogging Jesus, our healing was, being, was, was, was coming out. As they were flogging, so which means the stripe on Jesus' back, what has it done for us? It won back our healing, our deliverance, and our vitality. They stamp back on Jesus. It won back. So which means anyone that has taken this very particular service, based on what Jesus has accomplished, by the stripes of Jesus, the healing is already finished. We are not going to now begin, God heal me. We are going to take what had been done for us. Many of us go to pray and ask God for healing, but the healing is already done. Hear me? The healing is already done. God sent me to tell you that that healing is done. Take your healing. Because the, the moment you are going to meet God and you are praying, Father, you know, I please have mercy upon me. Heal my body. Blah, blah, blah. Those particular things. Hear me? As sweet as that sound, you are not praying the prayer of faith. You are not. Because the moment you are saying, God, heal my body, you are saying that that sickness was not, was not part of what was what got beaten upon the body of Jesus. And so because of that, you are also now at that moment beating Jesus again. So many of times, but this is how you pray such prayer. The Bible says there, it says by his stripe we were what? We were healed. So your prayer now concerning that cancer, concerning that diabetes, based on what Christ has finished on the cross, I take back my healing. So therefore, you cancer, go out of my body. Now, it's a two different. You were not pleading for your healing. You were commanding your healing to find expression upon your life. And that's why for us as Platform Church, when we do our monthly prayers, we call it enforcing the rested life reality that had been finished on the cross of Calvary. We do not come to pray and beg. 
We come to pray to enforce what has been finished. He says, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Look at what the Bible says. 1 Peter 2, 24. It says, who himself bore our sins. It says, in his own body, which means, if Jesus bore your sins in his own body, which sin are you saying you have? Because I don't understand. <laughs> the Bible says, your Bible says Jesus bore it, which means Jesus took it. But you said you have it. So where did you collect it from? I don't understand. He now says, look at what he says. He says, he says, having death to sin, he says that my live for righteousness. He said, by whose stripes? This is Peter, the elder of the church. He said, by whose stripes you were what? You were healed. Past tense. You were healed. And now you are saying, I have cancer. How did you get cancer? Are you saying that cancer was not on Jesus' body? Are you saying that diabetics, headache, all of those things that look like sickness, or that is not functioning to the part of your health? Where did you get it from? Because the Bible says, him himself took our infirmity. He took it, so you don't have it. All you need to do, the sickness that you think that is in your body is a tenant. And if you don't like a tenant in your house, what do you do? You send them out. <laughs> Many of us are hosting tenants, and yet we are making them a landlord in our lives. <laughs> Time will not permit me for me to expand on that. But number three, quickly. What has been accomplished by the blood of Jesus? Number three. Where did Jesus bleed? The Bible says in that John 19, they took a crown of tongues and they placed it on his head. And when they placed that tongues on his head, what happened? He bleed while that tongues was being placed on his head. If you look at, sometimes I, sometimes for me, when I want to just understand what has been finished for me, I just go to Google. Because Google did not even give a proper image of what happened. Because the Bible says, uh, if you read Isaiah 53, it says the way Jesus was so bastardized <laughs> that even God himself turned his back because he looked at this can't be my Jesus, forget those things, forget passion of Christ. See, passion of Christ is the one of Mill Gibson. According to, I think I was reading an article about Mill Gibson. They said after he finished that Mill Gibson was a, I think he was an atheist when he did that movie. <laughs> and he says he wants to experience what, he says, you know, Jesus, he wants to experience what Jesus <laughs> But guess what? They make sure that that last scene they did, they did the last scene the last scene of that very particular movie. So that in case, because he said he wants to feel it. By the time they try to simulate the pressure of the shambok that hit, when they get to 12, me gives him passed out. And Jesus took 39 of it. They get to, me gives him, he went into coma for six good months. By the time he came out, he had an encounter with Jesus. And all of a sudden, from the standpoint of an atheist, the guy came out from the bed, a full-blooded. He said, if this is what this man went through, I, I bear 12, and he bear that. He went to six months. It's there. That's how Bill Gibson turned from an atheist to a Christian. <laughs> they forced the town on Jesus. <laughs> and what does that has done for us? What has that done for us? That's the fact that Jesus won back our glory, and our kingship. <laughs> when that tons of crown was forced on Jesus, do you notice that when that ton of crown was forced on Jesus, they called him the king of the Jews. Indirectly, he came to collect the king so that you and I can become the king. 
Because that was what happened. John chapter 19 verse 2. Look at what it says. He says, and the soldier twisted the crowns of thorn and put it on his head. See, they don't just, let me say this. Let me show you. I, I didn't have an example here. Let's say this is the crown of tongues I'm putting on my head like this right now. If they put it easily like this, it would have been better. But this is what they did. They put the thing small first. Then they were now twisting the thing. <laughs> twisting the thing just to make sure that it peeled everything. But guess what? As they were peeling everything, they were peeling poverty. They were peeling generational costs. They were peeling foundational errors. They were peeling the limitations. They were peeling all the cause of the father's house and the cause of the bloodline. As they were twisting the thing on Jesus' head, they were peeling off all of it, breaking generational patterns. What your father could not achieve, Jesus achieved it for you. What your mother missed, Jesus got it for you. They were twisting the tongues on his head, but they had no clue that Jesus was wanting back your glory. He was wanting back your victory. He was winning back your kingship. He was winning back your priesthood. He was breaking generational costs. It was a turn they put on Jesus. But it was your victory that was given for you to become a king and a priest. It was a turn that was fixed on his head. But they had no clue that they were guaranteeing your placement for dominion. They were guaranteeing your placement for subduing. I prophesy to somebody this morning on this service that as I'm turning this thing on my head, by the mercies of God, your situation is turning around. Your situation is turning around. Every place that they have limits you, the cost from your father's house that is finding expression. I came to tell you that it has been paid for. Be free from the cause. Be free from the foundational errors. Be free from the limitations of your parent. Be free from the errors of your father's house. Be free from everyone who make you poor. Be free in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says as the thorn was upon his head, all of a sudden, the king ended up now putting the stripes and saying, the king of the Jews. But yet, he was going through the pain. He had to take that very particular tongue to the cross and die with it on his head so that nobody can be able to take your kingship from your hand again. <laughs> ah. No wonder he says in the book of Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 and 14. He says here, yeah, you all know that scripture is a popular scripture we like reading here. Galatians 3, 13 and 14. You see, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by being a curse for us. You see, curse is any man that is hanged on the tree. He says that the blessings of Abraham might come unto us, the Gentiles. You see, through the promise of the Spirit. Hear me, I want you to place your hand upon your chest and speak like a queen and speak like a king. And you say the generational curse is broken. The generational curse is broken. I am now in the light of generational blessing. I am now in the light of generational blessing. Ah! If Jesus could bear that tongues, and yet he says, it is finished. Point number four. What was accomplished through the blood of Jesus and its significance? Number four is the fact that his hand was pierced. When they pierced his hand, pa! Now, what does that mean when his hand was pierced? 
It means the fact that Jesus won back our right to prosper on whatever we touch. <laughs> Jesus won back our right to prosper. Hear me, the clincher of the statement on whatever you touch. So which means if you are looking at some certain things that your hand is doing and yet it is not prospering. Hear me, when that blood comes out of Jesus' hand, the right for you to prosper was given to you. So instead of you trying to now begin to ask, is it God's plan for me to be rich? I'm telling you, it is his plan. Because why? His hand was pierced that you prosper. And guess what? Part of the purple call I told you is ability for royalty and luxury. Royalty and luxury. So it makes sense in the book of Revelation chapter 5 verse 10 that he has made us kings and priests. So that what? we You can't reign. If you don't have something that you are presiding over. If your hand is not. For example, imagine me. I wake up one morning and I say, I'm the king of the Zulu kingdom. They will look at you. Where is the kingdom? There must be something in my hand that guarantees that access. That this is my kingdom. So I cannot wake up one morning and begin. The, the Zulu people. Ah, if I don't be very happy with that, number one, I'm even a foreigner. That's the more reason you are going back tonight. And they will, <laughs> they'll be like, ah. So, the way they will locate where I am now, you would think that they use, they fly by broom. You know those brooms? How? Because why? When Jesus, I mean, when, when the Zulu people recognize that this young man, that is the king of the Zulu kingdom, that is a people, that is hand. If that guy, if that Zulu king points anybody, it's over. God bless you that the point he's pointing is giving two million. But if he points your death, and yet, that kind of force was imbibed in you. And poverty is pointing your business. Lack of promotion is pointing your job. And yet, you are doing nothing. And yet, your hand has been pierced in Christ for you to prosper. Karosh palata negosinakata kelihita shalada. The Bible says in Mark chapter 15, verse 24, it says, and they nailed his hand, and they nailed his feet. I'm going to talk about the feet later on, what it means. It says, and the soldier divided his cloth. In their nailing his hand, they thought that they were trying to suspend Jesus on that very particular cross, but they had no clue that all of those things they were doing, it was actually in line to deliver the body of Christ. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. Look at what it says here. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was what? Rich. It says, for your sake he became. So which means Jesus went to school to go and study how to be poor. Because the Bible says he became. Before you become something, there must be process that guarantees that. He says he become rich. So through his poverty, you can carry that template of his study of being rich and also apply it and you become rich. He become poor. That through his poverty, we might become rich. And all of that was done by his hand pierced on the cross. Point number five. When we talk about the places Jesus bleed on this Friday, where was it? The Bible says, and Jesus bleed on his feet. When they carried that nail and they hammer it on Jesus, blood 
came out from that very particular nail. And what does that mean? I want you to see this. I like this. And because the reason why I like this is because I use this very particular part of Jesus bleeding on his feet most times, if not all of the time, to establish my staying in South Africa. <laughs> I'm being honest. So which means if I tell you the secret of this very particular Jesus feet being bleed, you can use that to actually establish if you want to stay in your company permanently, even when the company is firing people, <laughs> you can't be fired. Because why? He bleed on his feet. What does that, what, what does that, I mean, what has that accomplished for us? Is the fact that when his feet was being nailed, Jesus won back our dominion and our authority to walk over places we want. <laughs> Jesus won back our dominion and authority to walk over every places we want to walk over. He won back. I remember when I entered into this country, you guys have my shared story. It's my story, so I'll keep sharing it. It's okay, it's my story. When I entered South Africa 14 years ago, I remember very well that day, in the night at around 1 a.m., 23rd of March, I will not forget, that's when my feet entered this country. And all of a sudden, for strange mystery, I was able to find a way to remove my shoe. Imagine, I've not even checked, I've not even stamped my visa. I've not. Is it, is it, yeah, when you stamp to say welcome home, whatever, welcome. Yes, welcome home because end up, you guys end up giving me your daughter. So it's welcome home for me. Uh -huh, I don't know about it for me, it's welcome home. Good. When I, when I got there, for strange reason, there was just this free space. I removed my shoe. When I removed my shoe and I remembered that Jesus' feet was pierced. And so because his feet was pierced, it has given me dominion. I stand there and I said two things. Lord, this land of South Africa is my land. And secondly, I will not be ejected. Neither will I be buried. 14 years thus far. They are still trying to do that. It's not working. They have no clue that the first day, if they can go find the place I stand at the airport and can provoke another altar, maybe that is going to work. But I bet you they will not find it. You know why? One of the days I remember I went there. Before I met my wife, I went to the airport to pick somebody up from the international wing. For strange reason, we managed to pass. And I saw the place where I stand. They have put something there. I said, Father, thank you. You can't. <laughs> when I saw that, I was so excited. I said, ah, my establishment is guaranteed. I only leave when I want to leave. You will not deport me. Impossible. Try it. You will sleep and not wake up. <laughs> Hear me, Jesus won back our dominion and authority. Because why? For as long as the blood from his feet touched the ground, he'd also given you that permission that wherever you choose to stay, it shall be done for you. Not it will be, it shall be. It's a must that as long as you partner with what has been finished, it is finished also. So which means you can go to your office on Tuesday and you look at that, that is if you like the office, because I have to be very careful now. If you like the office, there are some of you, you need to fire your HOD, fire your boss, fire. <laughs> do not tell your boss that I said so. Do, do not, hear me, do not tell your boss I said so. Because by the time he gets fired, he will come and look for me. That's where the problem is, because I know he will be fired. This is what you will do, because you know that Jesus has won the place for you. Huh? There's a daughter of mine that you are here. I, 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 I can see you. I'm so screaming. Hear me, that ambassadorial place. Go and look for one embassy that you like. Stand there and say, Lord, Paranasa Tapilatosa, my feet, and declare, let that ambassador from that place bring him home or shift him to Kuwait. <laughs> and what should happen? 
Because why? It is finished. It is finished. For those of you who you are eyeing that position, and for strangers, your boss refused. You can tell that this boss is not performing, and you want it. Go to his office. Make sure that he is not there at all, and begin to put your feet. Lord, you want back my dominion. You want back my victory. You say, where my feet shall tread upon, you shall give me for a possession. I'm seeing the CEO office. I'm sitting on the chair. I'm standing on the ground with my feet. Lord, I enforce it today. I sit on this chair and watch God begins to go to corners that you do not. You know, my daughter just said something to me. And I just remembered. Ah! I enforce that reality to become permanent in the name of Jesus. You go there, you walk in that place. And you watch, one day he looked. They are trying to find who to promote. And for strange reason, a cleaner becomes the CEO. Why? She has engaged the mystery that guarantees. He says, Jesus won back our dominion. No wonder it's called a good Friday. <laughs> it's called a good Friday. It's called a good Friday. Let me just jump. Number six. I'm looking at my time and I need to finish before 12 o'clock so that you guys can go and enjoy and, and just, just have a good time. Hear me? As you are having your breakfast or your lunch or whatever you are doing, be thinking of this and enjoy it. As you are eating that rice, as you are eating that rice, you are eating that rice, enjoying them. And like, no, Jesus won back. He won back. He won this back for me. So as he won this back for me, I'm eating this rice, understanding that. I'm going to be eating with a gold plate with kings and priests. And yet nobody is going to be able to remove me from that reality. Because why? He won it back for you. Because this is how your Friday can really be good if you do it from the lenses of what he has finished for you. Point number six quickly. What happened? The Bible says in verse six, where did Jesus bleed? The Bible says Jesus bleed when his heart was pierced. So you can write down pierced heart. His heart was pierced. His heart was pierced. John chapter 19 that we've just read, verse 32 to 34. He says them, then the soldier, he says, came and they break the leg of one of the others and that was crucified with Jesus. He said, but when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. You know, this is the funny thing when I read this, I laugh. They saw that he was already dead and did not break his leg. He said, but one of the soldier, because he had to, comp he had to be finished. One of the soldier pierced his side with a spear. He says, and what? And immediately, blood and water comes out. How can somebody be dead and yet blood and water still come out? Those of you who are doctor, please help me understand. I don't understand. Somebody's dead. You still pierced him. Water and blood still come out. Because why? This is why Jesus had to be pierced by the side so that he can want back our joy and heal all broken hearts. <laughs> because as he was there, if that part was not spear, many of us, the ability for us to forgive and let go, it would be hard for us. It is on the strength of the fact that the heart of Jesus was pierced. So he had to release the joy. He had to release the forgiveness. He had to release the love to be restored. He had to release the heart to serve God in, with your own rights, not the rights of Apostle Darlington. And let's look at it. He says, and one of the soldiers pierced his side. He says, with a spear, and immediately, blood, and not later, immediately. So which means while he was still standing there on the cross, 
There is a dimension of Jesus that must come out. And that dimension was his heart being pierced so that Jesus can help us win back our joy and win back the healing of all broken hearts. The healing of all broken hearts. He won back. He won back. He won back. He won back. And so out of that, the Bible says in John chapter 4, verse 13 to 15. John 4, 13 to 15. It says, Jesus replied, anyone who drink of this water, he said, said, anyone who drink of this water will become thirsty again. He was talking about that woman by the wellside. He said, but those who drink the water that I will give, look at what he said, he said, will never thirst again. He said, it become a fresh bubbling spring within him, giving them eternal life. He said, the woman now said, please give me this water. It was a water that comes refreshing our soul. When no matter whoever offended you, yes, I'm not saying don't go through the emotions of it, but it doesn't have a hold on you because his heart had been pierced for you. Ah. Number seven, quickly. What has the blood done? Number seven is the fact that part of the place that Jesus bleed, the Bible says that Jesus bleed inside. So apart from all of the bleedings we see, that is a dimension of inside that Jesus also bleed. How was that? Let's look at it in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5. Because I want you to see that he also bleed inside. Isaiah 53 verse 5. He says here that he was wounded for our transgression. Physical. He was bruised for our iniquity. And the chastisement of our peace was placed upon him. That is how they entered into inside. He bleed inside. As all of the pain was going, he was bleeding and he was screaming. But yet he withhold himself. Like the point number one, when he prayed at the point at the Mount of Gethsemane, the ability for God's will, but yet he was bleeding inside. What has that inside bleeding done for us? Look at what it says. It says he was bruised. So before somebody will say somebody is bruised, which means something inside of them. See, when you find, I think yesterday I was listening to, I was listening, my wife and I were listening to a particular um, show. I think it was Faith Mangope, yeah. She's in Power FM. No, not Power FM, Metro. I think she's moved down to Metro. So it was in the evening, we were listening to her show about how some certain, I think it has to do with baby mama and baby daddy drama and stuff. And how some certain um, baby mama would create a drama for baby daddy not to be involved in the life because whatever system they played, they, they let them know. But the thing there that was very interesting for me that, that, that they, they said, I mean, one of the guys said, he said, it is not because that we do not want to be able to do this very particular thing or to co-parent. He said, but the problem is the fact that sometimes, because I, I like the guy's statement, he said, sometimes. Sometimes it's because that the baby mama actually had an interest to either date or marry this guy. And so because of that, the baby mama bruised inside. But yet many ladies and guys are walking out there. But the inside has been bruised. To the point that even when you find yourself in another relationship, you carry that bruise to want to make this new guy or this new lady pay for it. Bruise. The bruise, the pain that is inside. Oh, I can tell you story around that very particular point of baby mama and baby daddy drama. Oh, my dear, I can give you a personal story. <laughs> it it gets to the point you can be bruised. Where by the time you see anything called woman, you do not want to. 
And the Bible says Jesus bled even for that bruise. So that when you meet, if I did not deal with my, hear me, I would not have married this God's daughter that came my way. Because it was painful. I then understand what it means to be, to be, to be bruised or to bleed inside. Because you can, see the funny thing about bleeding that people don't understand. You can be bleeding inside and yet smiling outside. When you find people who commit suicide, please, my dear, don't be too quick to judge them. I say, what do you mean? They're like, my dear, the bleeding inside is what pulled them to go and hang themselves on. Do you think that they went there with their normal senses? When you find somebody who find themselves in, in, in such wrong side of the... Please pray for your own life. God, give me the sustaining power to deal with my bleed because it can lead you to actually carry the children of Israel and go and drop it in Egypt. It was the bleeding of poverty that carried Job, I mean Jacob, to carry his 11 children and go and drop them for a 400 years of pain in the land of Egypt. Bleed. The bleed of pain. The bleed of poverty. The bleed, the bleed of trying to find the right guy or the right lady, but you can't find it because there is a pain that you can so My dear, you see, I just want somebody to, I just feel like we should pray in just 10 seconds. Lord, every pain, every bleed that is in me, that I, I have been struggling, Father, because you bleed inside, deliver me from that bleed. Open your mouth and just make that prayer to the Lord, deliver me from the bleed that I'm currently experiencing. Deliver me. I have lost one, two, three. The pain is still inside of me. I do not know if I can trust again. I do not know if I can love again. But your service today has made me understand that the bleeding you bleed, it's for me to enjoy joy and to deliver from every heartbreaker. Lord, deliver me. I take that reality because it is finished. Deliver me from the pain. Deliver me from the issues. Deliver me from the hurt. Lord, I have been hurt by people. I have lost things. I have lost property, lost friends, lost loved ones. But the pain, Lord, it is this sitting in my stomach. When I think of this thing that they have done, when I think of what I've lost, Lord, it has hold me bound. Father, deliver me. Somebody, as you are praying this prayer, you are literally, you will be shocked that before this month or before this half, the first half of this year come to an end, you will see how God will connect you to sources. You will see how God, because the bleed has to be settled. The bleed has to be settled. Lord, I pray for everyone that is bleeding today. Lord, set to their bleed. Set to their bleed. Set to their bleed. Ratosha gimalatasiata. In Jesus' mighty name of prayer. I remember I was talking to my younger brother the other day. He's on the service, yeah. I was talking to him the other day. And I something that we were just having a talk around the space. And what was that? He was battling with some certain things. I don't want to say because it's a family issues. Battling with some certain things. And by the time the information get to me, I said, okay, let me call him. I called him and I was talking to him. And I said, see, son. Hear me. The reason why you are acting the way you are acting is not your fault. There is a bleeding that happened and part of that bleeding I knew but I hid you from the bleeding. Hear me. You have to break that very particular thing because as much as you were seeing it, a part of you was dying. And so now he is struggling to find a way of routing that very particular place but he had no clue that the bleed is already on his inside. And I had to, after I finished talking to him, I went, I said, Father, I cried for my younger brother because I know how that very particular thing. I experienced it myself. 
and I knew that it is not his fault. He is bleeding. And because he does not know who to ask the question as to why this bleeding was coming out from him, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just finds a way of what happened. The Bible says all things work together. Whatever happened, make me and him talk. And I make him to understand. This bleed, this is where it's coming from. But now it's your responsibility to plead. Use the bleed of Jesus and remove that and receive the one that he has won for you for the inner heart. Many of us are working with inner hearts. We are working with pains of our fathers and our mothers. And yet we'll still come and still smile. Because Pastor Darlington says, love your parents, honor them. He didn't say respect. We are doing that, but it is still painful. Yes, go with it. Honor them. But at the same time, it is time for you now to cry. Lord, inner heart, inner pain. I thought that we'll be together for the next five years. How come you just left? You just end the marriage or disappear from planet Earth. That I can't find you in our heart. Ah, I can stay a lot of years, but it's okay. Point number eight. Let's quickly do this one. Because my time literally left in five minutes. If I can't finish, we'll finish on Sunday. Finish on Sunday. Sunday, we'll use that one to enter the resurrection Sunday part. That'll be good. Number eight. What happened? Jesus finished all of this very particular bleed happened. And he said something. It is finished. What was the statement that means? It means that at that place, the rested life has been activated. When he says it is finished, it means that the rested life was, because if I say was activated, so that you know it's a time past, was activated. The Bible says after he has drunk of that very particular bitter stuff, he says, and he says, it is finished. And Jesus bowed down his head and he gave up the ghost. Luke chapter 19 from verse 20 to 30. I mean, 28 to 30. Luke 19, 28 to 30. The Bible says he bowed down his head. Now, this is what, what is interesting. Ah, my time is running out. But I'm just going to give this part and we'll pause there. Then we'll continue on Sunday. This is what happened in Matthew 27 verse 50 to 53. Matthew 27, 50 to 53. I'm going to read that quickly. The Bible says, Matthew 27, 50 to 53. It says, Jesus, when he cried again with a loud voice, he said, he yielded up the ghost. He says, and behold, look at what happened. It says, the veil of the temple rent into twine from top to bottom. He says, and the earth quake, the rock rent. The grave were opened, and many bodies of the saints that were asleep arose. He says, and he came out of the grave after the resurrection. He says, and went into the holy city and appeared to many. Hmm. We will continue from Matthew 27, but let me say this. When he gave up the ghost, look at the three things, that the four things that literally happened, because we're going to use that from next week. Number one is the fact that the temple veil from the top, to the bottom, the Bible said it tore open. And the mystery of the torn open is the fact that it tore from the top down, not down up. Because if you tear from down up, they will say somebody tear it. Because it's easy for you to tear something from down, up, especially when the thing is hanging. But how do you tear it from up, down? And what was torn was the fact that on that ark that was in the veil, it gives us three things that was very significant. Number one, the Bible says on the veil that was torn and the Ark of Covenant that was behind that very particular veil, which is known as the mercy seat, the Ark of Covenant, three things was inside. 
why Jesus would allow his spirit to tear that thing, he said, so that we may have access to these three things that was inside. Number one, the golden jar that was holding the manna. Number two, the Aaron's rod that budded was in that very particular temple. And number three, the tablet of the covenant was in there. What does these three things represent? Number one, when that veil tear power on the day Jesus died on Friday like this, when that veil tear, access was given to man to the holies of holies. Which means you do not need a darling still for you to access God. Jesus by himself tear that thing. He says now you can come in. And when you come into the temple, these are the three things that are available that that veil covers. Number one, the golden jar where manna is. What does that represent? Supernatural abundance. When the veil tear, we have access to supernatural abundance. So which means when you have a life that you're currently living and there's no abundance, your ability to say, Lord, the veil has been torn for my sake. I have access to supernatural abundance. Because why? As long as the manna was in that very particular mercy seat and the veil covered it, the people were still suffering. But thank God for the finished work of Christ. We now have access to that place. Number two there, it says there was the heron's rod that budded. When that rod budded, what does that mean? It means divine access to God leading. Divine, remember that before that veil was torn, the people had to come to the priest to ask. But now you now have access to divine. Because Aaron needed nobody as a medium. He actually had an encounter with God himself to be the priest. When that veil torn, man had access to God's leading. So it means God can lead you in the way he wants concerning your life. Divine access to leading. Aaron's rod which bordered, which means in that divine access to leading, God bringing destiny helpers for you, both physical and spiritual, because it was Aaron's, I'm happy about it was Aaron's rod that bordered, which means he was making us to understand that I still have shepherd that are still going to come out from this tabernacle or this temple that will guide you into my leadings and my path. And number three there it says, in the mercy seat where the veil turned, it was the tablet of covenant. What is it? Is now we now have divine access to the word of God. You have access to the word of God. With this being said to, tonight, today, I want you, because my time is literally on the 12th now, I want you to open your mouth in just one minute. Lord, your word has come today. Your feet was pierced. Your hand was pierced. A thorn was put in your head. You bled in the Mount of Gethsemane when you were praying. Your heart also bleeded. When they speared you by the side, blood come out. Lord, on the, on the function of this finished work, one, two, three, that is not working in my life, I gain victory over it. Open your mouth and begin to pray. In just one minute, I want you to push yourself because my time is gone. Lord, on all of this error that has happened, Lord, based on the fact that you have finished this significant point, my dear, your head needs to be correct to think right. Your hand needs to be prosper to make money. Your leg needs to be at a good place for you to be able to gain the fruit of this land. Your side that is being pierced in Christ determines the relationship that will be long or be short. And also the place whereby he bleeded in the mountain. Your ability to stay in God's will. Lord, this morning I submit myself to all of these eight mysteries that has been unveiled this morning. I submit myself to the reality 
Every place that I'm missing and every place I'm found and wanting, Lord, let the mercy, let what has been finished on the cross find expression in my life. Let what has been finished, and hear me as you are praying, anything that you see that is finished, that in your life it is not finished, invoke that reality. Invoke that reality. Lord, in this land of South Africa, Platform Church prosper. In this land of South Africa, all the members of Platform Church, they grow global. In this land of South Africa, Lord, I will not be ejected because your feet was pierced and so my feet can find expression. Lord, I declare today, Ten seconds to go. Push. The Bible says that the veil torn. As the veil torn, we have access into the upper chamber life. The life of God, we have access. When that veil torn from the top down, God says, come to me directly, Sibongile. Come to me directly, Joseph. Come to me directly, Kanyisa. Come to me directly. Stop all this medium you are trying to use. Because on this upper chamber life, there is supernatural abundance. There is divine access to God's leading. There is supernatural insights to the word of God. He says, come unto me all that are laboring and heavy laden. He says, I will give you rest. Rest is in my side. Rest in your finance. Rest in your career. Rest with the fruit of your body. Rest in your bank account. Rest in your going out and your coming in. Rest with every debt that you are currently experiencing. Rest in all of those areas. Ratosh desita. Father Lord, we thank you. Hmm. Lord, I bring your people today. <laughs> I see your hand upon your life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because by the time we are coming back again, Father, to celebrate your Good Friday, indeed, everything will be good. <laughs> I prophesy upon everyone on this service today. That by the time we come next year by this time, everything in your life that look bad, I declare that they will become good in the name of Jesus. I hear God says to me to tell somebody, allow my will to find expression in your life. And regardless of your imperfection, I will cover it and make it good. <laughs> I will repeat it. Allow my will to find expression in your life. And regardless of your imperfection, I will cover it and make it good. I declare upon all of you on this service today, the same way where Jesus was being beaten, but yet a purple robe was placed on him. I release that same purple robe to be placed upon you now in the name of Jesus. I declare that in the place of the shame and the pain that you are currently going through, experience rest. Be strengthened in those areas. I declare the power of Christ operates in your inside out in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, because I know that this is done. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And God's people say. That's all we have for today, but be sure to continue listening to the Rested Life Conversations. At Platform Church, we are all about simplifying the process, providing solutions, and creating realities for you. If this message has blessed you and you want to be a blessing by supporting this ministry, please visit platformchurch.co.za. Platform Church, family of rest.